And at this time, I'd like to introduce a guest speaker today, David Sova. He's from uh, Lamb of God Church. And uh, it's going to be so awesome to uh, have him here today with us. And uh, he's got a great message from the Lord to give to us. And I'm just uh, so thankful for him. Let's welcome David Sova. Yeah. Good morning. God is good. Amen. Um, it's the first time for me speaking here today, so I don't know how interactive you guys are used to, but this is going to be a very interactive message, so we need some participation. Is that good? Amen? All right. If you don't know the answer, just say Jesus, right? Can't go wrong. Even if it is wrong, you can't go wrong. All right, so today we're going to discuss... Uh, here, let's try and put this further out here. Today we're going to start to discuss why bad things happen to good people. Has anybody ever asked that question? Nothing bad's ever happened to you guys? I know you're good people, right? Okay. I told you, it's interactive. Okay, so why do bad things happen to good people? It's an age-old question that um, we're going to break down today. So... Um, to start off with, my name is Dave, and this is my wife Janice, and we are from Montrose, Lamb of God. So, um, uh, you know, one of the things that came up to me, and I'm terrible with notes, so I'm not going to follow the notes that might be on the, on the app if you guys are following along. Um, so a situation happened to me a couple years ago, and this situation was so powerful that I decided that uh, it was something that I really needed to share. So uh, I was getting ready, it was about this time, getting ready to go to hunting season, do we have any hunters? Okay, a few. So you know how much preparation goes into hunting, correct? So um, just a couple days before I was getting ready to take off, I just felt terrible. Something was just not right going on in my body. So uh, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and my stomach was just killing me. So I got up, I went and laid on the couch, and I was just tossing and turning. And next thing you know, I hear tink, tink, tink. I'm like, well, what in the world is that? Now, my wife and I live in the country, so there's no neighbors next to us. And uh, there's only a couple couples uh, of houses across the street. And so as I, I heard the tinking, I'm like, man, what are they doing up at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's strange. And so uh, I just continued to watch TV, lay down. Um, it felt so bad that I got up, got in the shower. I took a shower, and uh, when I got out of the shower, I came back, laid back down. And I kept hearing tink, tink, tink. I'm like, what in the world is that noise? I said, you know, I'm going to be so upset if something's going on outside and I don't, I don't go check it out. Now, I was raised in Flint, so I'm a little on the rough side sometimes. And so um, I go outside, and of course, we live far in the country, so I don't have much clothes on. I go outside and look out the back door, and there's four guys standing right outside my door, dressed in black. And they're, uh, they have tools in their hands. There's all kinds of things going on. Uh, they're trying to break into our barn, which is kind of like a, a guest house. Um, and so I hurried up and shut the door. Has anybody here been broken into before? Let me tell you, that is a pure violation. And it is one of the most scary things that you could ever go through. And so I hurried up and shut the door. I ran in and grabbed my wife, woke her up, and I said, call the cops. Somebody's breaking in. Somebody's breaking in. So she jumped up, and, you know, I hurried up and threw some clothes on, and, and uh, I grabbed the shotgun because we carry a shotgun under a bed. So I grabbed the shotgun, and I ran outside. And what do you think happened? 
there's no sound like the sound of ch-ch. Amen? All right. That's, that's. So, uh, so I put that off, and all of a sudden, there's just four guys running everywhere. Two of them are running right at me, and, uh, you know, I'm just freaking out. And the reason I went outside to defend my property is because I have two little girls in my house and a beautiful wife in my house. So um, we're not going to let anything happen to our women, right? So uh, I run outside, and I confront them. They come running at me, and all of a sudden, boom, I take a shot. I shot in the air. And uh, a couple reasons why I did that is I wanted all my neighbors to know that something was wrong. And second of all, I wanted those guys to know that this is not the place. You're not welcome here. And when I got into that situation, those people were the enemy. Amen? Okay, so what they did is they took off running in the woods, and I chased them down. And all of a sudden, now they're shedding all my tools and all my, everything that they stole because I have a lot of trailers in my in my property. They're, they stole tools and all this. Everything's flying across, and they run right into these woods. So I stop at the woods, and I'm like, am I imagining this? There's no way that people are running in those woods. It's really thick. So I run out to the, to, the, to the road, and I'm walking down the road, and I can hear them slowing down. They're in the thicket of everything. And I said, that is people. And so I'm sitting there screaming, come out here. I'm coming in after you, and, and just doing what you would do in the heat of the moment, right? So then some logic comes to me. And I'm standing in the middle of the road with a shotgun in my hands. Probably not a good idea, amen? All right, everybody agree? So I ran in, and as soon as I got in, I got hit with my mini Holy Spirit. And she said, what are you doing? What you she just started yelling at me. And so, uh, you know, just from the survival I grew up in Flint with, that's all I knew. So I hurried and put the shotgun down. I ran back outside to go look for these guys. And uh, as the sounds dissipated, I couldn't hear um, and so all of a sudden, the one thing I did here is, what do you think that was? The cops. And I said, oh, thank goodness I had a shotgun in the house. Whew. So, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, they're, they're in there, they're in there. So, you know, another cop car comes whipping up, and they're like, come out with your hands up. We're sending the dogs in. They didn't have any dogs, by the way. Come out. We're going to send the dogs in after you. Do you think somebody's going to come out after all that? Absolutely not. So I'm frustrated. So I just start walking down, down my property, down the other side. Well, I get to the other side, and I start looking, and there's a truck on the side of the road. And so I walk up to the truck, and now I'm walking a little bit faster. I walk up to the truck, and there's a guy balled up in the, in the driver's seat, and the door's locked. So I call the cops down, and I said, uh, hey, he's down here, he's down here. And one of the cops comes whipping down there, and obviously he unlocked the door for the police officer. And uh, another car comes whipping in, and the guy was on the phone with his mom, believe it or not. And so what had happened is it was his truck, and the guy that drove his truck went that way. He was the only one that went to his truck. So he got stranded. And so as all this is playing out, it's a pretty scary situation in, 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 at our house. And um, this is something that stuck with me. So, you know, to start this off... Um, can we turn the screen off? Uh, to start this off, if you have a house, can you guys not see that? There we go. Can you guys see this? Maybe we can get some light on here. Um, what, how do you protect your house? Shotgun, what's the very first thing a homeowner would do? Locks. Well, yeah, you would lock your doors 
So we're going to put a little lock on that. We'll create a door. Um, what else would we do? How would you protect your yard? A fence? That's the most obvious thing is a fence. That would... Jesus, there you go. That, that, that hangs above the door. So, in order to keep people out of your yard, you usually keep a fence in your yard, right? So let's say that we have a house, and we have a fence around there. What are we trying to protect? What are some of the good things that we're trying to protect with this fence around our, our property? Family? What else? Belongings, let's say money, finances. Okay, what else? What is it? Okay. Tools, we'll put that in there. Belongings. What else? Family, right? So we got kids. We got a, a beautiful mini Holy Spirit there, and then we got two beautiful mini Holy Spirit and trainings right here, right? And we got the guy that they are the Holy Spirit for, right? So we got a family to protect. That's the number one thing. We got our money. We got our belongings. We got finances. What are some of the things that we keep out of our property? The devil? That comes in a, that comes in a, a lot of different forms. So let's say drugs. You don't want your kids to come home with drugs, right? So uh, you don't want, what else? Alcohol. And what else? Burglars. You don't want violation. Okay, what else? Is there other things that you'd want to keep out of your, out of your uh, property? What is it? Bugs? That falls under the devil, I think, right? Amen. So, um, you know, as I started understanding why these people are breaking into my house, what did I need to do and what was I missing that allowed these guys to come into my yard? The main thing was I was missing a fence because at least when they get there, they kind of know where that, where that boundary line is, right? So as I was uh, studying this and as I was putting this together, um, some of the things that came to me that I wanted to preserve in my, in my household was fruits of the Spirit. Does anybody know what those are? Let's say love, right? Who, everybody here want love? Amen? Joy? Okay. Peace? Is that something everybody wants? Okay, so, um, you know, the devil, this is a good church answer, but... Um, uh, the devil does try and steal everything from you, right? So what forms does the devil come in? Anybody have any idea? I'll tell you an answer. Any form that he can to trick you, right? Amen? So as I'm putting this together, let's say that you have a fence in this yard and part of the fence falls down. What happens there? Does that allow a place for the enemy to come in? And the burglar's the enemy? So let's say we don't fix this boundary in our life. I mean, on our fence. So if we don't fix that and the enemy's able to come in, the next thing you know, another piece of our fence comes, uh, uh, breaks. And then we don't take care of that. 
Does anybody have any broken fences in their property? Better than me. Um, so as we're pretending, let's pretend something else. Let's pretend that this is our yard, and the adjacent yard has a group of people in a really big house that um, are in a gang. Can you imagine living right behind a gang? That'd probably be pretty awful, right? Okay. Amen? All right. So let's say there's a gang that lives here. Okay, and so what are they going to do if they want to get to the party store right here on the corner or they want to come over here and cut this over? What are they going to do? They're going to they're gonna hit those broken spots in your yard, right? And I think as this story was going along, as I'm, I've seen these guys that are coming onto my property and violating my property and endangering my family, that's what they were doing. They were coming in in a spot that I didn't have a fence. So this gang comes through here, walks through here, and they're like, oh, wow, that's a shortcut. Why, why wouldn't I do that every day? Hmm. So then the gang starts walking through, and they're like, oh, there's another shortcut over here. Why wouldn't I do that every day? So next thing you know, the lawnmower comes up missing. What would you do in that situation? Nothing? Would you be frustrated? Right? Okay, so you don't do anything for that lawnmower, because I didn't hear anybody say anything. Um, so the lawnmower's gone. Oh, well, I guess that I'm just going to go without mowing the lawn, or maybe I'll just pay the kid down the street five bucks to do it every time I need it done. Okay, it's no big deal. So as they come through, and they come through, and traffic starts coming through, what happens? Then they smash out a window in your house while you're not there. So we're going to take that window, and boom, it's smashed out. Would that frustrate you? Okay. Would you guys replace the window? Okay. We're getting somewhere. All right. So they get away with that, right? You didn't call the cops. I didn't hear that answer. So as they keep coming through and they keep coming through, all of a sudden they take this over as their territory. And so the next thing that they do when they get away with breaking a window is what? What do you think they're going to do next? They're going to go into your house. And when they go into your house, they're going to see something there that is very valuable. Amen? You guys got valuables? And they're going to take it. And then they start walking through your house and start doing everything that they want to do on their own. What happens to that person that, that's not even, the cops aren't even being called? What's going to continue to happen? They're going to keep doing it until you move out, right? And so what happens if you don't know how to fix your fence, you don't know how to fix this fence, you don't know how to fix this fence. What's going to happen when you move? You're going to have another fence that's broke. So as I'm reading all this, I'm saying, wow, what in the world do you do? How do you fix a fence? Well, this fence represents boundaries. And so this house, let me wipe this off, clean this up a little bit. This house is me. So the idea of this is that how many times are you getting violated and you're past your boundaries? How many times do bad things happen to you that are out of your control? And the, the, the answer is, is that 
they're happening to you probably because of, of your boundaries. And so as we go through and we discuss this, if you don't fix these fences, this gang is the enemy. How many ways does the enemy attack us? He attacks us any way that he can, in any trickery. And the one thing is that we, if we don't fix our boundaries, then he's going to continue to take. He's going to continue to take hold of everything in your life. As I was putting this message together, the Lord asked me to turn to Exodus 20. Does everybody know what Exodus 20 is? Everybody knows. Whether you know or not, you know. It's the Ten Commandments. Amen? Amen? All right. We, everybody knows the Ten Commandments. Do you know that there's actually 613 commandments in, in, in Exodus? So when Moses came, went up to get his Ten Commandments, he came back down, he got upset. Everybody was idling uh, a, a statue, right? And he got mad, he got upset, and he's trying to break curses as these people are, are suffering. He goes back up for 30 days, and he comes back down with 613 commandments. Does every person here know every 613 commandments? Absolutely not. Do I know them? Absolutely not. So as God's pointing this out to me, I'm like, yeah, I know this. This is pretty, pretty well known. Well, in the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah. Does anybody know what the Torah means? It means law. And so uh, in the Jewish culture, they studied the first five books. So you have law in the first five books of the Bible. So if in Exodus, God created law, and he created all these commandments, what does that mean? That we're supposed to follow every single one of them, right? And what happens if we don't? Are we, are we, uh, are we uh, turned into somebody who is not worthy? Are we turned into somebody that's not going to make it? Are we going to turn into somebody who doesn't make it to heaven because we break these commandments? And so as I'm putting this message together, God's like, of course, I know these things. Uh, uh, God tells me, he said, these aren't, these, aren't, these aren't laws that I expected you to keep. The reason that he gave so many commandments, why he, why he covered everything, was because it is impossible for one person to keep all those commandments. So the main goal that, that God was doing when he was showing this, besides forecasting Jesus to come in the future, is that he was letting everybody know every single person falls short of the glory of God. So don't judge somebody. Don't carry somebody else's uh, uh, sins over and, and don't punish them the way that, you know, from a heavenly standpoint. What God was showing, everybody falls short and they need him. They need God. So when I'm putting this together, it's like, okay, well, if it's not rules, then what is it? And God revealed this to me that, read through these. He said, these are healthy boundaries that I'm putting in your life. I'm like, Wow. Why are bad things happening? So how many times do we, do we make bad decisions and, we're, and, our, and our fence is broken? Quite, quite often. And I want you to look at the boundaries that you have. Are you lying and cheating and stealing? Maybe not the Big Ten, right? There's 613 of them. And we fall short in every single area of our life when we don't center God on it. And so what happens is that this enemy finds a hole wherever he can find it. Wherever he can find that, and all of a sudden your life just turns into chaos, and you don't understand, and you're like, where, where am I going? What's going on? Now, a lot of people don't preach on the enemy and his attacks because it's a very difficult situation to preach on. But uh, through firsthand experience, God has opened my eyes and showed me. You know, every single time that um, we let the enemy in, we're letting that person steal and rob and cheat 
And the more that it happens, the more that, the more that he takes. So how do we do that? How, how do we overcome this? How do you fix that fence? That's the, that's the next question. And so as I'm sitting here studying this, you know, there's, a, uh, there's four ways that the enemy can attack us. And in those four ways, there's temptation. And I know in the Bible it says that even Jesus was tempted, right? Okay? So in that scripture, um, I'm going to reflect on my notes for a minute, but in that scripture, um, does it say that the devil was with him? That he was standing right next to, to God, or to Jesus? It's Matthew 4, 1, verse 11. Is anybody, is anybody familiar with that? So Jesus was in the desert, and he's being tempted, right, three times? Does it ever say that the devil is standing right next to Jesus? It doesn't. So if, if it's putting a picture on that, and the enemy's attacking Jesus himself through a temptation, how is he doing that? If it doesn't say he physically was there uh, next to Jesus, throbbing and pushing him to do something, it's in his thought. Just the same exact way that the enemy attacks us in our thought. And so the first step is that the enemy attacks everybody, even Jesus, through temptation. Is that a sin? Is temptation a sin? Absolutely not. And the thing is, that did, did Jesus sin? But he was tempted. You know, those thoughts that went through his head of, wow, I could overcome all this. Mm, you know, that is possible because I know who God is and I know what he's got for me. That was an actual sin. The second step of the attack from the enemy is that the, sin, the, the temptation comes and then the engagement comes. Once we decide to engage in that temptation, that's when we turn ourselves away from God. And when we turn ourselves away from God, God has to step back. He has to allow these things to happen. Why do you think God allows that to happen? Because he's given us free will. Can you imagine if we lived in this earth and we didn't have free will? Have you ever thought about that? We'd be robots, right? It, it, it wouldn't be a choice. Well, God gave us a choice. You know why God gave us a choice? Imagine if you were born and you were raised and at 21 years old, when you hit 21 years old, your parents said, this is who you're going to marry. How fun would that be? How much would you love that person? That's not love. That's not a decision. And that's not what God's all about. God doesn't want to force us to do something because then that's not love. That's not his purpose. So God gave us a choice. And Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, were tempted by Satan, by a thought. And he came into this thought and he said, hey, did God really say this? And he took the truth and he twisted it just a little bit. And, and you know what? God had to step back and he said, I gave him a choice. I gave him a choice on which direction to choose, and they chose that. Did God give up on him? Absolutely not. So the enemy's constantly trying to tempt us and, and get us to engage in that temptation. So as you engage in that temptation, that's when God has to turn around. In, 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 a, in a visual explanation of that is that when you choose to line yourself up with the agreement of the enemy, you're signing a contract with that enemy. And God has to step back. Some of those contracts aren't necessarily like stealing something. It's not necessarily cheating on your wife. It's not necessarily doing something so blatantly obvious. But to say that you're stupid, to say that you're fat, to say that you're ugly, 
to say that you're not everything that God's promised to be, which is perfect in his image. Amen? So every time you say something like that, your words come out, and it doesn't seem like it's that powerful. But you're signing that contract. And God has to step back because he's given us free will to choose that. And he's like, come on, just come back to me. Turn your way. And so when you, when you get caught in this sin and you continue to carry on and carry on, what happens? It's like anything. It's like por- pornography. You know, do you think people go into pornography wanting to be addicted? No, it's just, oh, oh look. And they didn't, might not even look for it. Oh, look, something popped up. Oh, well, okay. And then put it away. And then, boop, something popped up again. Oh, what is this? And then put it away. It doesn't start with a massive problem. It starts with a little temptation. And that engagement in the temptation is what creates God to be separated from us. And when that separation happens, we sign a contract, we go to the enemy. When we go to the enemy, he slowly starts taking over. Did this gang come through the first time and break in the house? Absolutely not. They got away with it. They gave a little taste of what they could get away with. And then they got a little bit more. And then they got a little bit more. Then they got the lawnmower. Then they got the window. Then they got in the house. Then they stole all your stuff. That's the same exact way that the enemy's working on each and every one of us right now. And you know, the unfortunate part is that it's not always a, a decision that we've made. There's a, there's a generational curses that exist. You see, a, you see a father that's an alcoholic. You see a son that turns into an alcoholic, right? Everybody seen that? Why is that? Is that so unfair? Why is there diseases that are passed along from generation to generation? Is that unfair? Absolutely it's unfair. That's called a generational curse. That is no different. Somewhere along the line, somebody had a hole in their fence. Whether it's your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, somebody had a hole in that fence, and they didn't know how to repair it. And the enemy's just been able to get away and get away and get away for, for generations of coming and seeking and destroying, for generations. So you're like, okay, that's, that's really unfair. How do we fix it? Has anybody been faced with this question before? You know, this is something that happens in a daily life. Is everybody tempted every single day? Absolutely. Every day we're tempted. Okay, so let's be honest. How many people engage in that temptation? Okay, we got one honest person. All right, there we go. Every day. It's impossible for you to make the right decision every single time. It's not in our nature. You know, our nature is to go with the senses that God gave us. He created, this, created us this way, right? Why do you think God gave us senses? He created our body to naturally look for an explanation that is right. Whether you can see it, hear it, taste it, whatever it is, God created us to naturally decipher what's, what's real and what's not real. And that's, that's something that has created us in our soul. So how do you fix this? You know, one of the things that uh, I walked through some very spiritual stuff in my life, and um, my wife and I, we've done a lot of studies, and the studies have led to our freedom, and our freedom came with uh, some actions that are needed to take. So first of all, what we had to do is we had to declare that this enemy 
is not welcome here. Amen? Is the enemy welcome in any part of your life? Okay, so let's say it. Enemy? No, let's say it all together. Enemy? You are not allowed in my life any longer. That's the first part, recognizing who the enemy is. Recognizing that you have a fence that's broke. That's the very, very first step. And so, okay, enemy, my fence is broke. You got me this time. But you know what? Today, I changed my mind. Today, I changed that contract. I ripped that up. Today, if I looked at pornography uh, in the past, today, I ripped that contract up and I changed my mind because that is not who I want to be. I am not going to let the enemy continue to attack me. Alcohol. Enemy, you're not allowed here any longer. I've allowed this to happen. I've made decisions that God had given me the free will to make, and I changed my mind right now in the name of Jesus. I changed my mind on that contract that I've given you. Does that make everything go away? Absolutely not. So uh, first thing is we recognize that there's an enemy, and we say, enemy, you're not allowed here. So the next step is um, we go to God and we say, listen, God, I recognize that I, I, I messed up. I recognize where I turned left when I was supposed to go straight. Has anybody done that? Amen. So, God, I recognize this. I recognize that I'm not perfect. And I, and I go to my soul to make up these senses that you've given me to make the right decision, and yet still I come up short on the decision I was supposed to make, Lord. So I am so sorry. I'm sorry that I cannot get it right, and I am so imperfect. So does anybody know what repenting means? Saying you're sorry, amen? You know what else repenting means? It means uh, not only saying you're sorry. Has anybody ever uh, had somebody do something to them that was not very appreciative? And they came and said sorry. And you looked at them like, I know, I know they're not sorry. Has that ever happened? Come on, let's be honest. It's happened to everybody. So it's like, man, how do you forgive somebody that you know is not sorry? But they said sorry. Are you supposed to forgive them? Does that mean that they repented? Absolutely not. Because repenting actually means changing your ways. So when we take a left on that decision and we go to follow God or follow the enemy instead of God, we're, we're, we're making that decision, we're writing that contract, what do we do? We fell away from God. We fell out of his coverage. We fell under his umbrella is gone. And so now we're on our own with the enemy to free, free uh, Lance all of our property. So then we come back and we say, God, I'm sorry. God's like, absolutely, I forgive you. But you have to change your ways. So you take your thoughts and you line them back up with God, and that's what repenting is. Amen? So now we go into repenting. So what happens when you go through that repenting? Is everything fixed? The next step is, is that you have, a, you have an empty hole in you. You have something, especially if it's been something that you've been battling for so many years, that has been a part of you. You shaped yourself around being that person with that problem. And you rip that out of your life. Do you feel empty? Sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes you feel confused. Sometimes you don't know how to deal with it. Sometimes you don't know what to do next. And the answer is to fill that with Jesus. You walk through, you fill it with Jesus and say, you know what, Lord? First of all, enemy, you're no, longer, you're no longer allowed. You're no longer allowed in my life. 
Second of all, Lord, I'm sorry, I fell short again. And then you say, Lord, can you come in, in the spot that I'm taking out, the spot that I'm removing, can you fill it with your Holy Spirit? Can you fill this place so there's not emptiness, that there's not a void, so I don't feel lost, so I'm not, I'm not completely confused on what I'm supposed to do? And do you think the Lord's going to fill that spot? Amen. Right? Amen. That's every single time that you come to the Lord with that issue, he's going to fill that void for you. So what's the key to this? Recognizing the enemy, repenting, and turning it back to God, right? Having God fill this. So there's three parts of the... There's, there's, God's made us in his image, and there's three parts. There's the body, and there's a soul, and there's a spirit. Does anybody know what the difference is between the three? No hands? So the body's made of what? And don't say Jesus. The body's made of what? Flesh, which is made from the ground, right? When God formed us, there's, uh, in Genesis, he said that um, uh, 2 verse 7. I don't know if we can get the words up because now I got the board in the way. Um, 2 verse 7. And so the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Amen? So when God created us, he hand sculptured us. And there we were, a shell. Did we have life? Were we alive? Not at that point. And so did God, did God uh, just finish there and incomplete us? So then God brought together a soul, wrapped it up in a package, and boom, put it in us. Your soul is your personality. That is, your soul is the one that goes after the senses. So when God created us with that, he created us with all these tools to equip us to make sense out of everything and make sure that um, we're, not being, we're not being fooled by our visuals. Our senses are letting us know. That creates our personality. That creates who we are. That creates if we're right-handed or left-handed. That creates if we're good at something or if we're not good at something. Amen? So we got a body, we got a soul, and we got a spirit. You know, in, in that Genesis 2 verse 7, the other half of that, um, the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. How amazing is that? Have you ever really realized that we have God's breath inside of us? We have God's breath inside of us. Holy cow. So Adam and Eve were walking this earth, and they were perfect. They had a body, a soul, a spirit. They were made up. They had a personality. They had uh, a free will that they could decide whatever to do. But they were walking with the presence of God inside of them. And then Satan came in. And Satan twisted the truth. And Satan, Satan came in and tempted them and created these, these diversions in their mind and their, in these lies. And so what happened? Man fell from sin. And God said, you're dead. You've just died. That spirit that I gave you is just died. And so, you know, the enemy is out to seek and destroy and kill everything that he can. So when we are called to come to be reborn, we're trying to get that spirit that God has intended for us into our lives. Is that something you have to do every day? Absolutely not. You know, the Bible says that 
when he gives us the spirit, we're born again. Jesus enters into our body. We're born again. We're born of a new spirit. And so if we have this spirit, why do all these bad things continue to happen? You know, the, the, the studies that, I, that I, my wife and I have just went through, it talks about this spirit that we're given when Jesus ascended. He said somebody's coming greater than me. This spirit that, that he's given us is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Can you believe that? This is the same spirit that Moses split the Red Sea with. This is the same spirit that Abraham became father of all nations. This is the same spirit that God created this world with. Amen? Do you guys know that you have that inside of you right now? Amen? We got to say it again. Amen? Wow. You know, uh, uh, in Luke 10, 19, God says he's given us authority to stomp on snakes and scorpions in all the power of the enemy. Every power of the enemy he's given us authority over. You know what that looks like? He's given us the tools to fix this fence. He's given us the tools to fix this fence. He's given us more power than, than Satan has. And the reason why we're allowing these things to happen is because we're not repairing our fence. We're not looking at our boundaries, and we're not, and we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to do to create those healthy boundaries. You know, one of the things that I went through with my wife is that um, my boundaries were pretty messed up. I was, I was going to the bar. I was doing other things that I shouldn't be against my wife's will. I was, uh, I was uh, just had no boundaries whatsoever. And, of course, comes a crash. The enemy has taken everything down until it hit rock bottom. And after that rock bottom, we started learning this. And so the boundaries were set. You can't go to the bar. What? I'm a guy. What do you mean I can't go to the bar? You know, you can't be alone with another woman. What? I own my own business. How am I supposed to not be alone with another woman the rest of my life? It's not I'm, my intentions aren't there. I had no intentions of doing anything bad. And all of a sudden I started realizing, wow, you know, my wife and I, we went around and we set these boundaries as a family. We started determining what spot of our life we're going to say no. We're going to come over to this side. What part of our life right here are we just going to say no? I encourage you guys to really reflect on your life with your family and understand what those boundaries are. Where, where are your priorities? Where is it set? As a man, are your boundaries the same as your wife's? Do you guys, are you guys doing this as a team? I really encourage you, when you go home, build a house, build a fence. What's important to keep out? What's important to keep in? And start understanding that is the steps that you take to, to fix these fences. And then once you start overcoming all those obstacles, then you can start getting to the bigger ones the deeper-rooted ones, the ones that are generational, that your parents caused. Then you can start focusing on breaking those curses because God does say that he wants us to be prosperous and healthy. Amen? He wants us to do that. But we got to do it with the, with the word, the way that he tells us to do it. We can't do it on our own. And that's one of the things with the body, soul, and spirit. The soul tries to take over all the senses and say what's right and what's wrong. That's a, that's, that's a spirituality that you have on an on a earthly level. 
But then there's a supernatural spirit. Amen? Do you know what that is? That's when your senses can't make up any kind of logical reason why this is happening, but you believe it's happening because you're seeing it through your faith. That's a supernatural. Amen? That's where healing comes in. That's where miracles come in. Do you know why God gives us miracles? To show that he's real. That's why he does it. Do you know that when God says, I've given you authority to stomp on snakes and scorpions, do you know that that doesn't mean you need to go to God and pray, like, will you please do this? God says in his word, he's given us that authority. He doesn't need us to go to him and ask him. We have to believe it. We have to believe his word and the truth that he's given us, the promise he's given us, and we will take that authority and we'll use it against the enemy, and we will create healing. We will create miracles. We will create prosperity in our life. We will get better finances. We will get alcohol out of our lives, drugs. We'll keep all that out. And not only that, but then we're going to teach our kids those same boundaries so that we break those generational curses. Amen? As you learn to walk through the Spirit, um, there's a difference. The, God has given us this, this Spirit, and as an earthly person, we go to reflect on our soul. Every time that we reflect on our soul, we fall away from what God's intention is. And so when those things start happening, when you start seeing these attacks coming on to you, remember, you need to get rid of your senses, and you need to move it to the to the supernatural. You need to line yourself back up with the Spirit. And when you walk with the Spirit and you walk with that authority, the devil's not going to take you down. Amen? Um, we're going to end this out with a prayer. And um, I want everybody to just kind of close their eyes. And if there's attacks that are happening on you right now, if there's... Uh, Attacks that the enemy has taken full control over that situation. Can you raise your hand? All right, the enemy just continues to attack us on a regular basis. Can we get some music? The enemy attacks us uh, in so many different ways. And right now we're going we're gonna to release that over and we're going to give it to God. So um, I want you guys to repeat after me, Lord. You are amazing. You have created me in your image. And you've given me the same spirit that has created this world. God, you are so good. Enemy, you have taken a certain part of my life. I want you to think for a sec what part of that life is that the enemy has got hold of you. Enemy, you have not won the battle. Today, I break that contract. Today, you have no more control over that situation in my life. Today, I kick you out and I bring the Lord in. God, please forgive me. Don't always know what I do. but you continue to wait for me and be patient with me. Lord, you continue to show me your will in your way. Lord, right now I release these over to you that this bondage that's holding me down, these chains that have been, that have been holding me for so long that are so heavy, I break them in the name of Jesus. Not because I'm cursed, not because I'm guilty, 
Not because you're punishing me. Because the enemy has taken control of my life. Lord, right now I surrender that over to you. It's not a battle I have to fight. You've already fought it when you went to the cross. Lord, I surrender that to you right now. I surrender every being of every sense that I have, that my soul tries to take over for the Spirit's job. I surrender that to you right now, and I give it to you. Lord, my finances, I give it to you. My family, my health, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I surrender every situation that I've ever signed a contract with the enemy. I break that right now with the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. I break that right now with the promise that you've given me that I can conquer the enemy. Right now, I declare that authority. Right now, I declare that victory over the enemy that he will no longer hold my life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on me. Thank you, Lord, for surrounding me with your spirit, for putting your spirit right inside of me. And I'm sorry that I don't utilize that spirit. I'm sorry that I don't understand the way that I'm supposed to, Lord. But allow my eyes to be open with wisdom, my ears to be hearing your your word. Allow me to surrender my soul to win the spirit. I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs healing or prayer, you know, um, one of the things is, is that God says, confess yourselves to him and you'll be forgiven. God also says, confess yourselves to one another and you'll be healed. And that's because there's more power in the church, in the body. If anybody needs any kind of healing, I'm going to invite you up and uh, we're going to pray over you, my wife and I. Amen.